0: to Catholic stuff you should know a J10 initiative
1: welcome everyone this is a delightful episode of Catholic stuff you should know it'll be the shortest time Father Nathan's ever on it so if you don't like Father Nathan please <laughs> yeah, exactly please tune in now uh, anyways Father Nathan Father John and
0: and
2: here's Father Mike So we got three uh, together today in the basement of Schloss. There's a fourth.
1: There is a fourth. With us today. (laughs) Today, uh, Father Nathan is uh, cooking his favorite soup. That's me. I'm Father Nathan. Uh, Pasta Vagioli, uh, which I thought was a little less labor intensive, uh, but actually has like six steps. Um, and at some point, I need to be there, you know, guiding it along. So, um, Father John had a great idea and said, why don't we just podcast with this mystery guest, and it'll be like you're almost here. So, we it'll are beginning... it be just like you're still here. It'll be just like I'm still here. It, it's
2: so- the perfect substitute for you, in fact... That's right. And what, even more virtuous. Without further ado, one. we
1: introduce uh, one of the one of the men who is responsible for the podcast, and we will eventually get to all of the dads of uh, uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. We introduce David Goebel. Hey! hey!
3: Thank you very much, podcast world. And you should know that my DNA does run freely through Father Nathan's veins, and uh, you can blame me for at least half of the craziness that...
1: Uh, That is true. Dad actually has a saying, he'll usually say like if we do something stupid, he'll say, From my loins (laughs) loins (laughs) came this child (laughs) and uh... Which I I argued with him once (laughs) and I said that wasn't biblical. And And it most certainly
3: is biblical. My own King David uh, namesake said it too. So uh, oh sorry.
0: Do you think you're gonna have to do any purgatory for that? From your loins.
3: no that's only half of the story of the purgatory trail that i will leave behind so well right. down
0: on your prayers before he goes i want to say happy birthday to this young yeah. man right yes. here 1983 that's our buddy perfect. father nathan gobel is celebrating this his birthday. world 1983. this yeah. guy right here your son yes is the pastor of one of the best parishes in the archdiocese of denver he Indeed. is the president of the Presbyterial council nope, former he is former. the funniest trivia master in the Archdiocese of Denver former and okay I ran master. out I ran out
1: and i I, I recently uh, swam uh, without touching the bottom of the YMCA <laughs> I want to just I want everyone to know that I'm really proud. <laughs>
3: One of the best jumble putter together's ever was also. Okay. That's right.
1: This, this is not. This is not necessary for the podcast. This is my dad. I'm going upstairs to uh, cook some soup. You guys can ask him whatever you question you want. I'm super excited to listen to this later. Um, so uh, you know, make sure to you know go go in depth. Ask him about his torrid past.
2: Ah uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, well, yeah. Happy
1: b- happy birthday to uh, Father Nathan.
2: This is the the three of us are the 1983 boys. So you got March '83, April '83, August of '83. So. He thought that he thought that you were the oldest. That's right. That's what you would think, right? Just being first one us. to be ordained, right? That's, That's right. True. That's no, actually, slow,
0: Mike was slow and wrinkly. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, Dave, you feel real comfortable on the microphone, right? Because you were telling us you're a cantor at the uh, Catholic Church. and uh,
3: Most recently, uh, last fall, so what, six months or so ago, I took the plunge and agreed to sing uh, along with my uh, longtime buddy, Mike Fogarty, who is the choir director there. Shout out. And shout out to Mike Fogarty. You say Dan Fogarty? Thanks for the no, hint. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. No, Mike there. Fogarty. Uh, quite a music history there with him and his sons. Uh, Kevin and Brian.
0: How about a few bars, huh?
3: You got us to make
1: <laughs> I haven't studied this week's... What, what did I What did I This, song, this week's Yeah, so I told Dad beforehand, which probably discouraged him from cantering for a number of years, I said that your, oh. your voice is a mixture of Bob Dylan and what? Who was not Bette Midler?
0: Yeah. <laughs> David Bowie.
1: I was hoping it was David Allen Coe,
3: but that's not what you said, yeah. so... Do you have the mind Working for do
0: you have the mind for music lyrics uh, that your son does? He can he can quote uh, if you give him a word, mm. he will sing the rest of the song. Uh, any song? Absolutely, Actually, and and
3: hip hop. That does happen when a couple of words come up at work. They <laughs> accuse Thanks. me of coming up with some who knows what Beatles song out of the nowhere, and uh-huh. uh, the, and it's also a good stress reliever. So sometimes I just hum it just to get the stress relief. But when,
0: uh, as long as we're on the subject of um, music and Nathan's. Musical tastes, he has some kind of story about his dad taking away his Coolio record or making him take back his Coolio record to the uh, the CD shop because, what was it, like a Sam Goody or something, because the lyrics were nasty. Are you a censorship father?
3: I was at that time, and uh, I think he was pretty upset at the time, but he's forgiven me for a lot of those moments when he had to get pulled out of church or he had to get his direction changed in life a little bit.
0: I think he um, I think you were wise. Your son has developed rather worldly tastes and has a lot of hip hop in his uh, in his blood at this point. But I don't think he got that from you. you're a, you're a classic rock guy.
3: Yeah, and uh, country rock uh, back in the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to listen to anymore. Yeah? I I listen a little too much to the political stuff now, so... You do? I probably need to switch over to music a little bit.
0: Uh, I don't want to go too deep into that stuff. (laughs) We try to... Yeah. We get in trouble if we get too political. I'm sure. And um, I don't know. We've butted heads a little bit at times. So I don't know. I don't want to get you down that rabbit hole. I'm guessing... That your son has a lot of your uh, shares, a lot of your political opinions.
3: Well, I think we're all a little concerned about the state of affairs in our country right now. Oh, it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, I wish we were on a smoother path.
2: So, Dave, the real reason we have you here today is um,
3: we just want dirt
2: on uh, Nathan. No, just joking. Yeah. Um, we uh, we love you, boy, and. Uh, this is really fun for us to interview you because, uh, and maybe we'll do it this way. We want to have all the dads on, uh, yes, and uh, maybe we'll do it though where the, each guy steps out because yeah. it does kind of change yeah, the yeah. feel a little bit. I'm
3: actually very concerned about that because I'm afraid after my interview, you're going to decide let's go with the mothers instead. Yeah, of the exactly. Dads. No way,
2: <laughs> no way. Um, we love our dads, but we know that um, there was a point, probably 2007, when your son said, "I'm I'm staying in Denver." And I'm going to pursue priesthood there. And uh, we know that was a huge sacrifice uh, for your family to uh, have him out of uh, central Illinois. And uh, he's, it's hard to even begin saying how much he's changed our life and uh, the, the role that he has been for us as a brother. I mean, it's just, he's one of our, the greatest friends we could ever ask for. So it's, a, it's an honor to like have you here. And, uh, and then as I mentioned to you a little earlier, maybe we jump into, we start with, if you're up for it, before we go into the political questions of just, <laughs> uh, you're, uh, you're, just my fault. You yeah, exactly. You. He's a disarming you. kind of guy. But uh, the story behind um, Father Nathan Goble, which uh, longtime listeners will know uh, much about him and they'll know many of the funny anecdotes and stories. Even recently we did a podcast on dads and we were laughing about things that you and my dad had to do. But uh, today, it's just kind of, we'd love to hear your story, the story of uh, who you are, the man behind Father Nathan, uh, a great man who we've loved to know, and, uh, and also spe- specifically the story of how you came to, knew Christ, came to know Christ, uh, because I think it's a great testimony and witness of, uh, of redemption and of, of that grace is really active and powerful. If you feel comfortable, we could maybe start with that and then go into more. Obscure questions. Does that sound good? Okay. We'll see how long it takes. You go.
3: Where do we begin? Uh, I was born and raised in a very strong Catholic environment due to my mother, uh, who is Italian. Uh, Nathan's Nona uh, was born in Florence and went through World War II in Florence. And uh, her sister was a war bride, came over here. And so my mom followed her. A uh, year or so later, when she found out uh, my aunt was pregnant, so mom came over to help her translate and speak the language, and uh, and ended up, uh, she overstayed her visa, and uh, ended up marrying dad, and the rest is kind of history. She kissed her mama goodbye in 1947 or so, 48 probably, and didn't go back to see her until uh, I was almost born, and she was pregnant with me in 1955, so... Mm-hmm. The only background of that is important is the Catholic background. Um, well, the other important thing is Florence because the Florentines yes. are notoriously
2: crafty yeah. and wa- and kind of wise wor- in, in the ways of the world, and I see that in your son, so that actually is ah. important. So what's the maiden name on... Getzo, G-H-E-Z-Z-O,
3: getzo? getzo. Yeah, it
0: mm-hmm. sounds like a mafia thing. Okay, um, so when I was in uh, in Rome with um, with your boy... We went to the island where um, Bartholomew, the Apostle Bartholomew's relics are, okay. and that's Nathan, right? That's the namesake. Um, okay, yeah, it's, it's same name. Um, and we go to celebrate Mass on the tomb, which is also the altar there. And um, we're back in the sacristy, and the sacristan is like, "Oh, I can't find a, I can't find an English missile." And of course, he would have found one, but um, Nathan says, "Oh, no, no problem." I wasn't going to use it anyway. Let's use Italian. He's going to do Italian. He said the whole mass in Italian. Awesome. I had no idea that he knew any Italian. Yeah. And there he goes. He knew the whole thing. And he celebrated right there. I thought it was magic. I thought I was witnessing some weird, weird miracle. Mm -hmm. And maybe the weird, weird miracle is just him and his life all the time. But um, I, I think I bring that up just to recognize that he loves his roots. And he's very proud of the Italian heritage and thinks that he's a great cook because of that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And he is a good cook. He but. should be a good cook. Okay, go on. Background, go yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, I had two older brothers, and they were uh, they were servers, and they uh, of course I came in my teen years when I was in the sixties, uh, in in the nineteen sixties, and that was when the short hair was going out and the long hairs were coming in, I so. Uh, being five or six years younger than my brothers, I kind of took a path that I wanted to be as different from them as I wanted to be, they being short hairs and very studious. Let's see. One was valedictorian of his high school class, and my other brother was third in his class, and I didn't attempt to be number two. Sorry, did you grow up in Mount Zion? No, no. uh, Chillicothe, north of Peoria, Illinois. Yeah. So, so yeah, I kind of took a different path. Um, Back to the faith angle, Um, you know, we – Going to church every Sunday, et cetera, was uh, and having a May altar and all the uh, Catholicism uh, was very strong in, in my growing up years. Um, but um, as you can see, it was the matriarch of the family. My dad converted and went to Mass with us every Sunday, but uh, didn't have the, you know, the background, I guess, that mom had. And so I didn't think it was important as a man to. Uh, I thought that was the woman's role more so than the guys in in a family. So uh, I kind of thought I was going to take a second seat to uh to somebody else even in as I raised my family and uh so uh early into the years when we uh, uh my first wife and I started having children why I um, I didn't uh take my faith real seriously. Uh wasn't the best husband in the world. Um and uh, one of the plugs I wanted to say in this, so we'll jump right into it, is that I'm proud of our Catholic Church uh, for uh, expecting the annulment process to be complete before we just rubber stamp a marriage that didn't work out and say, "Okay, well you go marry somebody else." Because it really helped both of us, and me especially, to look to look inwardly and see my role in the, in the, that that uh, it didn't work out. And I guess one of the main lessons I learned through that is that uh marriage is a a more than a contract uh what's the word i'm looking for it's a com- commitment it's a covenant, uh, covenant yeah. right and god never pulls out of a covenant once he's made a covenant it's for life uh but one of us poor humans uh can walk away from a covenant and uh
0: can i ask you uh, yes I don't want to um, sidetrack or delay the the story but i um I'm wondering at why at that point did you want an anomaly? why did you care um, or when you were looking to get remarried I should say had you had a conversion are you getting to that part or is it was it a part of um, just kind of um, take practicing more of your um, of your faith or um, yeah I'm just curious about why you know why people who um, I don't know why people choose that why they look for that and um, you said it was a meaningful process like why did you start down that road with the annulment process
3: well um, I guess it was because by that time uh, uh, Veronica and I had met and uh, we're getting serious um, so there, there was a lot going on uh, behind the scenes there uh, I started to say about the the woman's role or whatever in in being strong in the faith and and the man's role being strong in the faith in the family uh, i'd been on multiple retreats even just i mean back then there was six or eight retreats a year that you could sign up for and most people in our church probably encouraged us to make retreats was this curcio retreats or was it was it actually different? called koinonia queen okay yeah and then later on we've made veronica and i have both made curcio and uh de Colores, which is kind of a very similar to the where the men go one weekend and the following weekend the women go so uh so it was really i would say you asked about conversion it was uh Again, despite being uh, faithful and going to mass and that as a Catholic, uh, it was really the retreats that really. Uh, there was one retreat in particular where there was three guys that uh, there was four of us in a quad where they, you know, the three-day retreat, and uh, all three of the men were bigger than me, big, strong. Uh, Ted and uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other two guys that were really you know six foot four and. Uh, to me, uh, faith was the last thing that you would think a man like that needed because yeah, he had it all going. He's a man, you know, and, and uh, good careers and stuff. And and in reality, they had given their life to Jesus and, and it explained how important that was through the retreat. And uh, so that kind of, uh, made me realize also we had a pastor back then that he he was really strong and saying you men need to be the pastors of your home you need to be the priests of your home and, and lead your little ones and i i don't know um, so real quick um
2: you mike and then nathan yes and, and, and then, then ashley ashley mm-hmm. were born prior to uh, with your first wife, bang right? bang bang. Some people within might about know, five years of Goble? each other. Yeah. I got to stop calling child. him Goble because uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, but <good>. uh, Nathan, <laughs> it's weird Nathan. to call him Nathan, Nathan isn't is it? Really it? Uh, Nathan always talks about I'm the second of the first litter. That's how he describes it. So <laughs> <laughs> in his very, he's of, the
3: middle child of the first. litter oh, yeah, as he well. Is, yes. yeah. So um,
2: so just to, so, yeah. and then you met Veronica, I think within a couple three
3: years there. Three years
2: and did you meet on a retreat?
3: Our my the, my home parish Mount Zion was having a charismatic uh, prayer meeting every Tuesday nights and we were drawing people from 20 and 30 miles away including Veronica and her mother would come up occasionally and uh, her and I met around the water fountain one day and kind of kind of bantered if I can back and forth nice. a little bit and uh, I knew she was younger than I and I thought she was quite a bit younger but I was uh, honestly at that time uh, my faith had, grown stronger and i was actually looking for a prayer partner i was looking for somebody going through a difficult time at work and i was uh, looking for somebody to uh you know to share that time with and uh um uh, help get through it with the lord's help and she uh so i had asked another couple of mutual friends that uh, that was from the same small town that she was from assumption And I said, you know, because you meet people in the Christian circles that aren't the real McCoy. And I said, you know, is this gal for real? Is she, you know, because I'm kind of looking for somebody to share the difficulties I'm having here at work and talk to and have another prayer partner, basically, uh, which was something kind of encouraged through the retreats. And they said, no, she's she's a genuine article, comes from a good family, and I think she'd be a good prayer partner for you. So I would call her up, you know, get the kids to bed.
0: Okay, go ahead. uh You're good. Oh, yeah. Good.
3: and so i uh at the end of a hard day at work i'd call her up and say gee you wouldn't believe what they did today they've turned this deal around and uh, we we had some new ownership at that time that i didn't think was going real well and so yeah we we started a friendship over the phone and uh, i guess you would say the rest is history i found out that she was a little closer to my age at that time and she's about five years younger than me and, but Look, she's aged aged
2: well. Yes, she has. It's
3: because she's Czech. That's why. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I'm just joking. Mike and I are. Yep, she's Mm Czech. All right.
0: So this is uh, kind of a selfish question, but I'm doing a lot of marriage preparation. Yes. And uh, the couples are all asking me, how do we learn to pray together? So um, you're bringing up that uh, Veronica was a prayer partner. What what does that look like for people who are... um, I don't know, like adults who are have their own prayer life but are learning to pray with someone else.
3: Well, I think if it's a young couple, especially, you've got to maybe encourage them to do like we did where there's a telephone line in between instead of being right across from each other and have another interest going on, uh, you know, uh, so.
0: And then eventually when it became romantic,
3: mm-hmm. what does that look like for,
0: um, yeah, learning to pray together? Uh,
3: I think it was a natural. Uh, she had a very strong faith, and it was just a natural progression from uh, two faith-filled people that started with a friendship, and then it it blossomed. Yeah, and just the other. get
0: used to it. Yeah. You have a lot of extemporaneous prayer, like you just talk to God, or did you have specific prayers? Because some of the couples are intimidated. Like, well, I guess we have to pray a an Our Father together, or a Hail Mary together. But some just don't know how to. Kind of open up and talk to talk to God. Yeah, I think it's something you have to get used to, just like you have to get used to talking to somebody else. another friend. Yeah,
3: I think it starts from your inner uh, sharing. If you're comfortable sharing your inner feelings with that other person, then the prayer is a natural progression from that. I don't think it's one of them things where, oh, it's 1230. We need to <laughs> yeah. pray now for 20 minutes or so. Yeah, sure. yeah.
0: Okay. But, yeah. Um, all right, so then you are falling in love. You're getting married, getting hitched. And uh, what age is Nathan at this time? Eight, nine years old. Eight, nine years old. Sorry, if
2: I can just ask, what was the time difference uh, between when you and Veronica met and then with the annulment Mm -hmm. and then the wedding? And was that something that she really said, this is important? Or did you also kind of, were you at a point in your own faith where you were like, no, this is important. I need to kind of, because I think that's one of the beautiful things of your story is that this annulment process was not just a hoop to jump through, which is what a lot of people feel it is. It's mm-hmm. just the Catholic divorce as they, you know, as they experience it and that it was really a part of the whole healing process that, that sets you up for this, the next chapter of life. Um, so just, yeah, maybe a little bit on that timeline.
3: Well, it happened very quickly. Actually, I had a very good, I think it's called the advocate that you have, uh, a nun that had been involved in the annulment processes for a variety of people. Uh, she was no rookie in it, and uh, she was very helpful in helping me lay out uh, the steps that were required. And uh, actually, uh, Veronica and I would talk openly, and, and, and that helped me put down on paper, you know, the things. And, and I was raising the three kids, so it was pretty obvious that uh, – that I had a commitment to the to the family. Let's put it that way. But um, it was obvious that uh, that the first marriage wasn't going to go forward. So it was very mutual, agreeable, and and to this day, uh, both of Nathie's moms get a, get along splendidly. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And um, so he refers to his mom and then
2: mom, mom. Yeah. So yeah, we we've kind of. And uh, one of the great gifts was not just meeting Veronica, who was a deeply spiritual woman, but also just seeing Nathan's mom and the way that she's come back to Kim faith. has come back yeah. to the faith. And, and it really, I mean, miracle. even in the last couple of years, I mean. That's correct. After a lot of years of prayer. So it was a great joy to kind of watch that all unfold. So the, the wedding to uh, Veronica happens. Nathan is eight. I think he had quite the cumberbund. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. Yes, they had pink, (laughs) pink, pink pink Cumberman. Our
3: our colors were gray and pink. Exactly.
2: Uh, And then there was more to be added to the family, correct?
3: That's right. Veronica and I have two fine young men. Uh, William uh, lives in Kansas City with his wife, Megan, and uh, two-year-old Hallie and a new baby son, our first grandson. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: congratulations. Uh, Thank
3: you very much, very much, yeah uh wonderful thing uh beautiful see those little babies and hold them so yeah and uh, mike the oldest son has uh, four little girls and they live in champagne and uh, ashley uh, married a wonderful man uh, mark harcharik and uh, they have three girls and live up in hudson illinois up by bloomington so we have the son in kansas city but also Nathan way out here. Otherwise, the rest of us are pretty close to town. Dalton? No. And Dalton is the, the youngest, youngest, and he lives in Decatur. He's in Decatur. Yeah. okay. So okay. he's the musician. He's the serious musician of the family.
0: Yeah. We get a lot a lot of Dalton stories. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask about uh, this. Is kind of like a rewind. Yeah. But what was that experience like? Um, as a single father, raising the kids in the faith. By this time, you were practicing the faith, and you had that sense of. I am a leader for my children and, um, taking them to church, teaching yes. them to pray, yeah. teaching them catechesis. What did that look like for you in the, in the family? Or there's, was it something that, um, you grew into, um, or even, even a question of like, what was your local parish like in that experience, um, as uh, a gift to the kids? Very
3: glad you brought that up because, uh, it was several ladies in the, in the, in the local parish that, uh, helped, uh. Facilitate, I guess you would say, uh, the raising of those kids because, uh, first of all, I always had good babysitters. I was very fortunate in that. I'm a salesman, so I worked some long hours at times. Um, so I didn't have a quote-unquote daycare. I had uh, friends of the family that were watching. Uh, Ashley was just, what, a year and a half or two years at the beginning there. So um, I had good babysitters, but I also had uh, – the The babysitters that I had had grade school children, so if somebody in particular, it seemed like Nathan at times, would run a fever, be sick, and uh, there was a couple ladies from the parish that I could call older ladies that their kids was raised, and, oh, sure, bring him on over. I'll look after him. And so they had a beautiful That's great. motherly type person that would look after him when he was, you know, I can remember several times uh, um, Nathan, you know, I had somebody to take him. Somewhere to a, take him.
0: He, he was a sickly child. <laughs> <laughs> was he a sickly child?
3: <laughs> well, I don't think he liked school a whole lot. So, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no. Yeah, it, it wasn't often. Right but time. I always had that security, and and so the parish family that you asked about was very helpful. Yeah, so that's great. So,
2: um, on that topic, if, if you don't mind us asking these questions, but um, I'm just thinking about people listening to this, um, maybe who have a similar experience, you know, where they have. Uh, been through multiple marriages kids and different things when do you feel like i mean there's such a there's such a closeness in the family not just with mike and nathan and ashley but like with william and dalton and when do you feel like that came together and how do you think that kind of came to be because it really was i mean veronica is his his mom in such an intensive way and that just doesn't always seem to be the story so i'm just curious kind of in those early years, how do you, what do you think the Lord was doing that brought about this such a
3: unity in the family? Uh, tested by fire, I guess you would say. There was a lot of difficult moments in the family and a lot of difficult feelings. Uh, you know, a new person has come into the home to be mom. Um, I would say it leveled off uh, and. Mike and Nathan, you may be surprised to hear, are very competitive and very uh, argumentative. Oh, no, no. no yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: Mike is usually right. Okay, shout out, Mikey boy. Okay.
3: Yeah, Mike's. <laughs> yeah, and he was several years older, so he was a little bit domineering. Uh, so Nathan had to really scrap. As they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, when William came along, um, for some reason I would take that as a uh, – Unif- I'll say unifying this uh dumb way to say it I guess, but just something happened was happening at about that time where the, the 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 difficult years perhaps were were getting farther behind us and it was it was uh we were gelling with a beautiful new child in the family and people could enjoy the the baby in the family so yeah and then Dalton with his red hair yeah he brought us a lot of laughs he's he's really a good neat kid so. Yeah, William was easy to raise too. I mean, he was no trouble at all. He was he was a model child. <laughs> Dalton, it, Dalton was a little harder to keep him on his homework and keep him on the straight and narrow, but
2: uh we made it through very well. Nathan always talks about the Ederman genes. So Veronica's family these the you know, the tall German farmer, a big farmer. You know, yeah. Because I think your Tough you know guy. your father in law was a big that's right right big farm, right. farmer. Yeah. And uh so that, yeah, William and Dalton are both there. Yeah, strong, big, big men.
3: Capable, capable.
2: So did you have any sense of a priestly vocation uh,
3: when you just, in this little guy or even high schooler? Interesting, most of his teachers in school thought he would be a good lawyer because he was argumentative, and his (laughs) 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 the uh, Sunday school, or what we called CCD teachers, uh, some of them kind of had a feeling and a hope. Of course, they always do about any young man that knows his – bible and things. that oh let's get to make a good priest so they probably say it about a hundred of the kids but yeah they tell me to this day that they thought maybe nathan make a good priest yeah. uh, well. he seems to have he has a deep kind of devotional heart uh
2: and always has just a deep sense for the christian life um did you see that in him as a kid also was it there i mean the faith was it there was that something because i know focus was a, a big impetus later on right uh, Nick Blaha and these types uh, at the University of Illinois, but did you see that kind of? Was it there,
3: kind of naturally cultivated, or
2: was that something that came later?
3: Uh, just a sensitive heart, you know, kind of the the guy to fight for the underdog and that type of thing. So, and justice, you know, kind of the lawyer type uh, side of things. And he he went into college as a political sci major, so yeah, he was he was going to be a fighter for somebody. So I'm glad he's fighting for the Lord. <laughs> yeah.
0: What's, okay, this is more of a rando. Uh, what's your favorite thing about being a Catholic? Or tell me something you like about being a Catholic. It doesn't have to be the favorite. Oh,
3: that's, that's very easy, Mike. Uh, we'll circle back to the... Uh, uh, I just think that the Catholic Church is going to be the one to hold true to its values and not, uh, and not allow uh, what we believe to be immoral uh, to be the... Uh, uh the rule of the day uh because as our government slips away from you know i mean when i was being raised probably 80 to 90 percent of the people were professing christianity and now we're rapidly becoming into the minority as christians yeah and um and a lot of uh lukewarm uh unfortunately people that i was for many years too so i i sympathize but uh but, but I believe it's, it's our church that is going to stand firm uh, against things that we know are wrong and, yeah. uh, and offend God.
0: And the way the world, yeah, the way the world is just um, kind of spinning off track, out of orbit, you know, yes. from, what, from what it once was. The sort of uh, family values and um, kind of conservative moral vision for the world and for life, for the dignity of people and kind of respect for each other respect for family, respect for elders. I just, that that makes it all sound like moral decay, but there's also such confusion in society about all kinds of things. And I'm proud of the same thing, that the Catholic Church has convictions and uh, stands its ground for the most part. I mean, there's always, you can see like um, different, pieces and parties and groups and voices that go astray or seem to compromise with the world. But for the most part, it feels like a ship that's moving in a direction that has been steady and will remain steady, kind of um, set on that polar star.
3: Our uh, arch, arch church, you're saying? Yeah, the with church. dead on a steady course. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, i very thankful for that. I mean, that is one of the things that really impresses me about the church. And I've written several letters to Bishop Paprocki, which is our bishop in Springfield, Illinois, Uh, where he's stood firm on the political scene uh, against abortion and other things that are that are coming down you know uh, the loosening of the uh, morals so much yeah
0: all right so that's like the the picture writ large what about on the parish level what are some catholic things you like doing well singing now aside
3: from singing cantering has been a real blessing i have i've told my i told my pastor and some other people that some days after cantering i feel like i've been on a retreat i've been that moved just uh rejoicing and, and giving god glory that way but uh um yeah your boy sings he chants a lot of the liturgy too I
0: mean, he really loves that. Yeah. And I, I guess I ask you that because he particularly, of my friends and priests that I know, he particularly loves the liturgy of the church. He loves Sunday. He loves praying yes. in community, in the church, and standing at the altar, leading that prayer is kind of his, his, his place. I feel like, okay, here's a goofball. He's a ham. He loves being on stage, but it's totally different when he's at prayer and he's at the altar. I mean, it really, you can see a priest in a different way. And um, yeah, it runs deep for him. So I'm just curious if, you know, uh, obviously, yeah, with your cantering. um.
3: Yeah. uh, uh, No offense to you guys, but, but it, the, the mass is complete with or without a good homily. So I know that Many of us parishioners right, amen, put amen. put the put the heavy on you guys to give me a good homily, or I don't feel like I've no. We we've received the Eucharist. We we've received Jesus in our hearts, and whether or not the homily was, you you have uh, done what has been asked of you is to to show up and uh, receive the the grace that He wants to give us. And uh, I heard it put one time that you know you don't remember any particular meal that your mom or dad de- you know fed you. But over time, she fed you and nourished you, and you grew stronger. Mm. And over time, you did grow uh, and uh, become the man that you became. And so it's the same thing with the Eucharist. We don't see that change overnight. It's it's unfortunate that the second graders think they're you know they're looking for something different. They've dressed up and everything, but uh, the change to our soul is very gradual. But uh,
0: I love that. I like the way that you say that. The, I'm frequently teaching. Especially the young people. There's a lot of young Catholics in Denver, and they're very enthusiastic. I love it. It's great, great to see that kind you know. of enthusiasm. And um, But they want fast progress. <laughs> they want to make big strides all the time, everything mm-hmm. to be a powerful mm-hmm. experience, everything to be a leap forward in the, in the life of holiness. Mm-hmm. And um, it's disappointing for them. It's hard for me to watch as a father— to to see their disappointment with not making quick progress like that when they're trying so hard and they really are. And I want to honor that, but I think God moves slowly and the growth works. Like I'm a gardener. You don't see it happening, but it happens. And then you turn around and there's something beautiful there. And, um, and I, so I try to find analogies. I like the escalator. You know, you're on the. You're slowly moving ahead. You're always right. moving ahead, right. and you could take a couple steps back, but God is moving that. You know, moving you along, or a stream, and you can fight upstream. But as long as you stay in the stream of sanctifying grace, you're moving to the 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 ocean of infinite grace and and love. Um, so uh, that point is very important for me, but it's very hard for me to communicate. And I think mm-hmm. it takes. I'm I'm very grateful for your story right now um, because I see that sort of the this, the graces along the way, and the growth, and um, and that's what it takes. And it takes some experience, some life experience, to be able to um, teach the young people. I still don't have that enough of that to be able to say with um, examples. With I can say with some conviction because I've seen it in my own life, but. Um, enough years to say, "Okay, this is how God works, and to be calm about that right. and to be frank about that, um, so i 'm grateful for you know, voices like yours and that and just that point like to the audience right now, if you 're not seeing leaps and bounds, chill out. you know God is at work. Sanctifying grace works like this it 's slow, it 's beautiful it 's that nourishment that your mother puts in front
3: of you and, and you grow. yeah, I think it's very unna- unnatural as a human being. To have a quick emotional change, to all of a sudden become a different person. Mm. So my prayer is just that God would make me the man that He created me to be. And uh, I, I don't expect Him to do anything like that overnight. But I can look back and see that He has drawn drawn me to Himself uh, in ways that I never dreamed of, and it's been pleasant. It's not been oh no, I got to give that habit up or this or that. It's been uh, it makes me a better husband and father and that's I mean really down deep I think that's what most men want they they want to be good at what they do in a career but they want to be good at home too and uh, if they're not doing well at home then it's easier to find a outlet golf or something like that where they can get good at that and feel like they've achieved something and they're ignoring the the opportunity to, uh, to be good as a father and a husband. And, and usually the family is not asking all that much. They're just asking to see the commitment. And, uh. But how
0: important is it that this isn't something you can, you can do on your own, like developing your, your skill at golf? And I think people just have this false impression that if I just mm-hmm. practice this, if I just am intentional about it, if I think positively, if I work harder, you need God's grace. God can do what you can't do. And God can help you along the way and make you the kind of man that you're meant to be, can make you the kind of father you're meant to be, can make you the kind of husband. And of course, we need to cooperate and, um, and be intentional about that. But you can't just, this isn't a hobby. It's not something that you just refine on your own. We really do rely on God's grace. And he can do, yeah, he can do what we can't do.
3: Uh, he's a good coach he he'll push us into areas that we didn't just like the cantering in areas that we didn't expect to be able to be good at uh, but you know it's it's important to rely on him and to want it to to want to be the the guy that that he created me to be not to not to hide behind the things that I shouldn't be doing or whatever.
2: How do you like being a grandfather <laughs> and what advice would you have to men your age uh who are now stepping into this? This is a new chapter uh, for all of our dads. Yeah. And uh, in terms of the form, formation of the faith of these little ones, what what advice or
3: thoughts would you have on that? Uh, huh. uh, that's a pretty uh, thin line as far as how much uh, that you take involvement. I guess every case would be different. Um, I'm fortunate in that, uh, you know, my kids that are married are faithful and and uh, believe in the importance of of their Catholicism and and Christian faith. But um, I'm also aware of a very dear friend of mine that uh, her daughter is a single mom and she never had her baby baptized, and the and the kid is three or four years old, and uh, she prayed and got involved enough to end up being. The baby's godmother when the little four-year-old was baptized just this past easter so um you know it might be a little easier when it's a single mom or dad situation where you can you know you're babysitting more often maybe for the child or you're more involved in the especially if you live nearby that child but when there's a husband and wife in the home it is hard to steer their faith once they're adults you know so yeah yeah a lot of a lot of time on in your prayer time for your kids and grandkids, but you, yeah, it is amazing how much you love them little grandkids. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, from the first day, yeah. This is a
0: this is a fishing question. Oh, good. I imagine you you've seen uh, or read "River Runs Through It."
3: I read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, there's this sense that he has of like the pendulum, you know, ten and two. You just you're just uh, casting back and forth and he has all of these I think he's a Presbyterian minister right the father of the protagonist what's Norman McLean and um, he it's all a very religious experience being out on the river being out in nature that kind of um, going I and mean, Fisher of men all these analogies yes and um, I imagine you teaching young Nathan to cast his fly rod and to reflect on the wisdom of the world. Is it like that, or were you, like, teaching him to drink beer and you know, <laughs> pee in the water?
3: Uh, it's a nice combination of that because uh, we we are best buddies now, you know, me and Mikey and Nathan, and, and uh, we've got a fishing trip coming up here soon. Dalton's going to be there. Mark would be there if he could, but they've got a one-year-old william would be there if he could and uh, they've got the new baby so it's going to be the four of us but yeah we're we're best buddies and we can just hang together and yeah it's really neat and you're bass fishermen right we're no no fly fly fishing no No, no,
2: no, none of this fly fishing stuff no No streams Uh, but it's also true that the uh, annual fishing trip there's always one guy who catches the least amount and the smallest fish correct
3: you mean besides me
2: no i'm talking about (laughs) your son comes back every year upset that mike caught the it's the trophy mighty. fish the i love it no, oh it's man. great he those things give him life in a way that nothing else does all you guys down there yeah, he fishing gl- and, he
3: glorifies the little ones nathan does he and he gets the most out of every catch whether it's the little it's ones like or, the or a big one yeah that that's flush. right push that push that fish <laughs> right up to the lens of the camera and then it looks bigger
2: well i think we're coming near to the end here uh we usually conclude with kind of any. Oh, wait, 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 wait! You got one more question? Yeah, I
3: got more questions. Oh,
0: <laughs> I got more questions. Father John's like grabbing the microphone from me. Um, I don't you, like you my spend uh, you spend time on the road. You That's drive. Right. That's right. Uh, what do you listen to? You listen to Catholic stuff? You should know. Sometimes,
3: absolutely, you do. Yes, I do.
0: Do you like the show? Yes. Give me some comments. My dad told me that uh, he doesn't like the show. He stopped watching because or listening because we say the word frickin', and he thinks it's nasty and it's embarrassing what do you think of the show do well, you like hearing your son i, I will do you turn your dad it on, on it. that
3: term because when 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 the boys was young the word screwed was not allowed ah yeah and i would say do you know what that means <laughs> yeah and don't say it in this house yeah So now it's pretty much a slang word for anything but uh um what was the question
0: oh just do you like
3: the show oh you guys um you know what amazes me is that when i first met father john uh nathan was still a seminarian i guess you were in boulder and uh this thing podcast uh discussion and now uh aren't you approaching 500 is that right that's right what what number is
0: this is this 500 490
3: we're getting close 490 so you know I thought surely you would run out of topics. So my, I give kudos to you guys for continuing to come up with interesting topics. Um, and and I would just say that it's amazing how well formed uh, the young priests are today uh, compared to the guys in the past. I mean, we just love to hear you guys uh, expound on the history of the church and the, how it all ties together with uh, with where we should be as Christians. Praise love God,
0: it. love it. Yeah, and thank uh, thank God for a good education appreciate that yeah, from our well seminary and, Very well and and just the church kind of the time when we came up was great john paul ii All you right. know this atmosphere um a lot of good teachers a lot of good place you know or, or, or like catechesis was at a good place um we've been formed in a good environment do you what would you what, what would you have for what would you like for um for young priests these days like what's your prayer for us
3: uh i maybe i'm unique but i do love the liturgy and i like to see it uh go smoothly and i see our pastor struggling with getting parents etc involved enough and I, i don't want this to come off wrong but if if nathan or one of my kids was required to read that day you know they they allow the kids to read sunday i mean They would go over it multiple times, and they would be ready. Or if they were going to serve, I mean, when I was a server, when I was a kid, we had server practice every Saturday morning. You got to practice. And so, I mean, we we still weren't overly confident in what we did, but we were ready. And, I mean, granted, the kid's still fifth, sixth grade. He's not going to be like a, a seminarian would be yeah but uh but
0: even when you get when you're more practiced you become more confident and you're more interested in staying yeah it's hard to keep the kids around doing that stuff and in part i think because they're nervous every time but if you just you know teach them well then they're more confident.
3: Right. And so as a parishioner, it's always nice to see the kids that are ready. And, and they always surprise you. You know, it's the it's the little kid that looks like he can't even reach up to the yeah. mic. And then he booms out the uh, the first reading and it's like, wow, good job.
0: Yeah, you know? they pull out that little stool. Yeah.
3: yeah that's <laughs> that's really great. Neat. I don't, I'm not anti that at all. I want them to be okay. able to read, but I want them ready when they get up there. So I'm not putting that on the pastor, believe me. No, it's uh, great. It's just it's a, the, it's the a little suggestion. It's the parents that have, to have yeah. the desire to have the kid be ready. So, hey, do you want my kid to come on Saturday morning? I'll have him here, and you can teach him how to do the incense and all the other. But I, I just love the liturgy, and maybe that comes from, from having a son that's a priest. But, uh, yeah, I'm retired now, and I've paid virtually almost every daily Mass that I can make, uh, unless I'm driving a Semi, which is my, that's my quote-unquote hobby. I love to drive a Semi, yeah. so been hauling grain back and forth between the elevators and ADM is indicator ADM and Tate and Lyle. So, huh. yeah, those crazy people pay me for doing it. And I, I would probably do it just to, like a kid with his little Tonka truck, you know, I just, I just <laughs> <love it. laughs>
0: every kid wants
3: 80,000 pounds of grain going down the road.
0: Well, Dave, I am um, well, just very grateful for you. And it's, it's happy. It's a joy to spend time with you. I'm um, happy to see you. Happy to celebrate your son's birthday with you and very yes. grateful for you. Um, yes. Our fathers mean so much to us. And this is one of my best friends, and um, so awesome. his father that means a lot to me. Makes me, me and so
3: pleased. And I am so thankful for you, young priests, that are all good friends. And you can sit around and enjoy life and not have to feel like you have to be secluded in a monastery or something to serve God. You're out here with the people, and uh, you're real. And, uh, and I think that's what we need. I think it's going to bring people back in the church is that staying true to the to the precepts and the truth and uh and being vulnerable i guess
0: yeah thank you god Got bless no you brother uh, god I bless wanna, you brother and give uh, me the microphone. hold on hold on this is important i expect an invitation to come fishing with you guys on summer not on your trip but uh ah, along with you i want to be over there good. father nathan is always telling me hey you guys never come over to to illinois and i'm coming Good. Right. Good. Good. All right. Good. All just right. take this
3: as a promise. All right. Might have to sleep on a sofa, but you won't care. Whatever.
2: I had the microphone in a death grip. All I want to say is, I just want to echo the same sentiment. Go. All right, uh, Dave. You are. Nathan's our brother. You're our father, and we feel that. And I'd say the same thing about uh Dick Rap. And I think the guys would say the same thing about my dad. So thank you for your son, our brother, and uh, for this crazy adventure that we've been in and we're so grateful for your prayers. So thanks for being on the podcast. We usually close with shout-outs if you have any particular uh, people you want to mention. Anybody you want to uh, I would Say go hey back to, to
3: those two little ladies because I uh, I had a, a little brain, uh, and, but uh, Sandy Nicholson, who is now with the Lord, uh, was one of the first persons I would call, and uh, also Judy Powell was a uh, beautiful lady, uh, was our backyard neighbor, and she was very helpful. She was the one that would put pigtails in Ashley's hair and and uh, taught me how to hang clothes on the on the clothesline and that kind of thing. So yeah. I, I, uh, we had a very active parish, and I think that uh, I would encourage all parishioners to get involved in their neighbors' lives if they've got any kind of prayer need or, or physical needs. Uh, uh, I was a witness today to some people bringing a meal to some people that were still in a uh, uh, grieving situation, and those are the kind of little things that really really go far. So, yeah.
0: And your son, your son has a real gift for that. He's got a big heart. He's a very thoughtful person, too. Yeah,
3: he's sensitive. Yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. a pain um, in the neck sometimes. But. Yeah,
0: well, that too. Uh, shout out to Nona Getzo.
3: Yes, thank you, Grandma Goble. All yes. right, Nonna Getzo. Well she, done. Um,
0: shout out to, we just had a priest convocation, and it was great um, reconnecting with a number of priests, we don't get enough time to spend together and uh with covid it's been kind of crazy so shout out to jim fox my first pastor who i get to spend a little bit of time catching up with and um i raised a puppy called cornbread once upon a time and then when they sent me across the across the river over to rome they uh father jim fox took my dog and it's his dog now he made that very clear but um thanks to him for um that time out in craig and for everything i learned from him and also just reconnecting with my friend daniel Chucci and joe grady two wild young priests who um are a lot of fun and i don't get to see often enough so shout out
2: a final shout out father randy dollins who's another priest of denver mentioned that uh he was connect reconnected with uh, a guy at net national evangelization teams uh, Dave Rinaldi who I think probably like runs it or is up, up there but he's been listening to the podcast and uh, so Father Randy said can you give Dave a shout out and so Dave thank you for listening thanks for the great work you're doing we're our com- brother companions of Christ are all netters um, and it's just it's an amazing amazing thing that they've been doing for decades continuing to evangelize the country young people so that's it good stuff well done well, we're gonna have you Dave. back you did great <laughs> yeah, great
0: job
2: <laughs> thanks again, Dave. Great to
3: have you here, you and Veronica, and uh, Safe Travels. Thank you, Father John, Father Mike, for 400 and some odd, almost 500 go. podcasts. Yeah, maybe another yeah, 500 yeah. to go. Yeah, we'll see you at
0: 1,000.
3: Keep coming. <laughs> Keep coming up with uh, interesting uh,
0: we'll topics. We'll try. Mm-hmm. I got maybe
2: two left. Catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Dave Goble, you're the best. Mikey, boy, you're okay too. No, yeah,
0: thanks. God bless you, brother.
3: He has. Thank you, boys.